0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen and I am joined today by, well, let's just put it quite frankly, an ecstatic Trey Watkins, who I often get on for bringing low energy and not being, you know, sometimes the most uh, conge- uh, excited co-host but I called him today and he had pure joy in his voice. And I love to hear that because I hope he's brought that same energy to this podcast space. Trey, how have you been?
1: I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I can't even put into words how happy I am. I have gone through nails. I have been drugged through drag, through mud. I've been Philosoph- What's the word? Whatever. I've literally been metaphorically, metaphorically stoned by my own experiences with my sports teams. But today, for the first time in literally months, maybe years, I had the most amazing collective day of personal sports watching in some time. Some time. I yelled so much from today, just because I was so freaking happy, almost lost my voice. But goodness gracious, man. I've, I've had such a good day. I've had such a good day, man. I'm so happy. I'm That's good. So
0: Trades, of course, um, referring to the fact that Barcelona
1: beat, uh, I will add, a Benzema less. I don't care. Real do Madrid. Not care. Do not care. They literally had to play us without hundreds of our best players and we were running out literally scrubs on our team and we had a brain dead coach manager on the side running the most disgusting tactics I've ever seen in my life at Barcelona aside from Keke Setien bro and that that was the year when Barca got embarrassed that was literally the height of embarrassment of the, of the modern Barca. So no, they don't get any excuses today. We literally have Bartomeu running the club like he was a Real Madrid sleeper agent, man. He was that bad. So I, I'm not taking any crap saying they didn't have Benzema. We didn't have anybody the last couple of years we played out Clasico, man. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it at all. Trey is also happy that
0: he roots for uh, the bad guys in college basketball, Duke. Somehow, some way. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Doesn't make much sense uh, to me, at least. He, he's decided to hook his proverbial college fandom wagon in college basketball to the worst team. And I understand. I'm a Kansas fan. I, I I don't live in Kansas. I'm not getting on him for that. But the fact that you willingly chose Duke makes me think less of you, Trey. And but today you got to be happy. You beat you beat Mr. March himself, Tom Izzo, and no. it's only gonna it's only gonna be sweeter when they lose in the Elite Eight next week.
1: Anyways, like I said, I've been rooting for Duke basketball since I was like eight nine years old because I watched Nolan Smith play basketball one night, and I literally loved Duke ever since. So anybody who comes to me for being a Duke fan, I'm literally I literally became a Duke fan because of Nolan Smith. I guarantee anybody listening, aside from a Duke or a North Carolina fan can't even recognize who nolan smith is you can't eric you can't i know a lot of people can't and that's my justification so if anybody has a problem with it i don't care it's not my problem it's yours but i've been a duke fan because of nolan smith second off fiery second off we're not losing in the elite eight we're gonna (laughs) hopefully okay we play okay texas tech or doggone uh notre dame we're going to beat Notre Dame or Texas Tech. Then we're going to beat Gonzaga like we did earlier on in the season because no way is Gonzaga going to lose before they get to the Elite Eight. That's just not how it's going to happen. It's not how it's going to go down. So if we're going to face them in the Elite Eight. We're going to beat them again, handedly, again, and then we're going to go to the Final Four. We're going to beat whoever we play in the Final Four, get to the national title game, win that, Coach K rides into the sunset and we're all happy, man. That's how it's going to go. 100%.
0: Coach K, the most preening schmo on the planet who makes everything about Coach K. I bet he went into the Michigan State locker room today and was like, hey, guys, let me give you a pep talk, even though I just beat you. Because that's a classic Coach K move. Also hates the student media at his college.
1: So, again, Coach K, not a good dude. And look, I – Look. Everybody has made some mistakes and everybody has m- had some mishaps. But Coach K is a good guy. Dude
0: literally good hates dude. kids. Hates dudes. Hates good kids. A lot of people hate kids, man. Hates kids. A lot of people hate kids. Hates kids.
1: Coach well, we're, K. We're just going to hate on kids. Coach K more just because he's coaching a college basketball team. Your average 25-year-old could go out there and say they hate kids and don't want to have kids, but we won't think of anything of it. He hates Coach kids. Hey, we got to
0: say anything? Coach K hates kids. Yeah, whatever, hates, man. Hates the kids he plays again. Hates the kids but report on him at the Duke student newspaper.
1: I hate the kids I play against, too. I want to win. Why should it, I like the kids I play against, man? I want to win. At points, hates his own kids. That. I don't think that's particularly true. I like to fit the narrative to whatever I like the narrative to be, Trey. Yeah, well, your narrative stinks. Oh, and as I was say,ing that it looks like Wisconsin is going down. Wow. Ugh. Rest in peace, Big Cat of Internet
0: fame. That is going to be a stellar, pardon my take, tomorrow. Yes, hilarious, actually. Hilariously, you know. Depressed big cat is just something to be be marveled at. This is really one of the
1: funniest things ever,
0: right? Wisconsin is dead, very dead. And mm-hmm. uh I can't wait to get off this podcast and quite frankly look through Twitter and watch the clips of him dying live on a live stream. So that's that, tough. <laughs> <laughs> it should, be a, should be a fun time. Um, you know my sports life's pretty good, Trey. Too. I uh, I told this story on the radio show I uh, helped co-host. Humble brag. Uh, but I got I was sitting in class earlier this week uh, watching the Russell Wilson opening press conference and literally beaming ear to ear. And my teacher called me out and she was like, "I don't know what Eric's doing, but it looks like he's having a great time." I lied. <laughs> I. I lied. I told her I I got a raise because that's easier to understand than saying, well, my team's been in quarterback hell for about seven years and we finally got a guy. And
1: Should have just said that instead, man.
0: (laughs) She wouldn't have understood. She wouldn't have understood. She's a poetry
1: professor. She She doesn't have have to
0: understand. You just have have to
1: verbally express yourself and let the happiness come out. She wouldn't have understood.
0: But I was brimming ear to ear. I literally could not contain myself. I was like scrunched up and all happy and giddy in my chair and in the middle of a uh, college um, cafeteria and was just so excited. You know, Broncos country, let's ride. Play back clip over and over about 20 times. Uh, I am fully bought into Corny Russell Wilson and uh, he can do no wrong. So expect that bias and slight to be coming through full force on this podcast for the next few months. And then we'll, I'll, I'll get more negative as the season goes on. But for right now, I think the Denver Broncos are Super Bowl favorites. So that's that's just some
1: random talking
0: i i think that's my family talking but i'm gonna let it fly i'm gonna let my fan flag fly anyhow
1: i don't blame you man
0: it's been a very good week for both of us um all right let's get the unpleasantries out of the way first a lot of nfl news has happened today feels like it's the end of round one of free agency lyle collins was kind of the last big first wave free agent named a fall. I feel like mm-hmm. um, now it's just kind of guys that are going to get picked up over the next two, three weeks. Some guys, it might be till after the draft. We'll take a look at some of the free agents, but we're going to go through, we're going to give some teams we're impressed by. We're going to give some teams. We're not so impressed by, but we have to talk about Deshaun Watson. Uh, the quarterback who still has 22 civil lawsuits pending against him for sexual assault was traded to the Cleveland Browns and the biggest trade in franchise history for three first rounders, a third rounder, I believe, and a fifth rounder. And that happened. Um, I know that this is not something comfortable that a lot of people want to talk about. I know Trey feels kind of extra skeezy discussing it, so I've let him sit this one out. I'm just going to get on my soapbox really quick and say, uh, the NFL is my favorite sport. I like it a lot. It makes me happy. I do a podcast about it, but it's also gross and makes me incredibly sad sometimes. And it's extremely clear that ownership within the league does not care about women in particular over the past few years. That's become increasingly clear. They don't really care about minority groups that's become clear with the Colin Kaepernick stuff and, and things of that nature uh, but it's just sad it's sad that for Browns not only did they give up everything for a guy who has 22 sexual assault cases uh, still ongoing in trial uh, they also did not reach out to the lawyer of the defendants they did no research despite Jimmy Haslam flat out lying and saying they had and they gave him a fully guaranteed contract to be completely honest with you that's worth 237 million dollars and quite frankly resets the market for what quarterback contracts are going to look like the next few years Uh, David Malgata did a masterful job of spinning what should have been something that ended a person's career into becoming the most powerful agent in the NFL, hands down. I won't hear any other talk about it and getting his client not only not suspended as of yet, but also before a suspension even got handed down, getting his client paid fully guaranteed money i mean if you want an agent i guess go hire david Mulgata because he clearly doesn't have a moral compass and that's fine he but he's extremely good at his job because he got a monster a 237 million dollar guaranteed um contract and yes i called deshaun watson a monster he's a predator uh he is a predator. He's a sexual predator. And we will, the sad fact is we will all forget this in two months and everyone will say, well, let's just focus about the football. No, that's, that's what for July is for. That's what September and October when he comes back from suspension will be for people will say, Oh yeah, he's a top three quarterback because he is. And Oh yeah. Looking for Browns fair, fun offense to watch, but I won't forget that he has 22 lawsuits from women saying that he treated them inappropriately during massage sessions. I won't forget that he's a sexual predator, and I certainly won't be rooting for the Browns or ever giving the Browns any money, or after what I'm about to say on this podcast today, ever working for the Browns, that certainly won't be um happening because jimmy haslam is a piece of trash and has his own misadventures with the law and harassment throughout his tenure in cleveland and quite frankly doesn't care about women it doesn't seem like uh don't know how you sell this to the women in your fan base if you're a browns fan lots of people left the team left their fandom because of this um it's just incredibly sad the whole situation that a sexual predator has this much power and quite frankly the way the media has handled it too uh used to kind of look up to adam schefter but he was used as a mouthpiece for this agent uh throughout the entire time and really sold his soul to get a scoop and i'm uh, quite frankly ken i'm sort of amazed he wasn't suspended for some of the things he tweeted over the past few months uh extremely disappointing from him he is not an nfl insider he is a mouthpiece for agents i think that has become increasingly clear and i respect him a lot less because of this And I would say that to his face. Uh, Not a great day for anyone involved. I'll get off my soapbox now. We'll fast forward to the Browns being an AFC contender, but uh, I'll tell you who I feel really bad for is the 22 women who are gonna have to watch this guy play every Sunday and relive the worst day of their lives every Sunday. And know that he got away with it scot-free and, frankly, got rewarded for it. So that sucks. The NFL sucks. I don't like the league because it doesn't care about women and people. Uh, But I like the sport. And I'll I'll never root for the Shield. And, quite frankly, if Roger Goodell doesn't give Deshaun Watson a full-year suspension, he should be fired quite frankly. Um, I don't have much else to say. I told Trey you could sit this one out. So unless you have anything to add, Trey, we can move on to the fun part, which is some free agency frenzy. But I don't have anything else to say, man. I, um, I just wanted to make my feelings clear that I will not be rooting for the Browns. And this will not be a podcast that celebrates the Browns, no matter how good they are, because they are a garbage franchise run by garbage people. And that includes Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski who are complicit in this. So yeah, that sucks. I liked the Browns. They were kind of a fun upstart team. And you know who I feel the worst for is Baker Mayfield. And I guess that, That can move us on, but, I mean, Trey, Baker Mayfield, like, I know we don't swear on here, but this guy got fucked. Um, Played through an injury, gave the team everything he had last year, took them to the playoffs for the first time in forever, got them a win against their biggest division rival, changed the culture of the Browns, quite frankly, and he is now going to be shipped out of town for peanuts. I... I'm a Baker fan and I will root for him wherever he goes because he got absolutely fucked in Cleveland. That's
1: just a fact. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that he did get screwed, uh, you know, especially with the whole injury situation last year, the Browns were coming off a good year. They were supposed to really contend for greater heights, you know, more than the divisional round loss that they had in 2020 against the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, But once Baker Mayfield's shoulder injury happened and the rest of the injuries started happening across the offense, I think that outlook just sort of changed dramatically. And we went from viewing the Browns as a team that could make some noise in the AFC to a team that we just don't know how they're going to do because they've been, uh, or they had been suffering from so many injuries and so much stuff that they couldn't control that it just sort of derailed their season. And so, you know, going back to Baker Mayfield, that's how, his situation all, you know, tied into with Cleveland uh, moving into this offseason. There have been talks, you know, and there had been some discussion around Baker Mayfield and maybe the Browns just not being, I guess you could say, as confident in him to really develop into the guy that they want him to be so they can, you know, eventually win a Super Bowl uh, with that being their goal. And those concerns were somewhat, I guess you could say, legit because even, you know, throughout – his play last year when he was slightly more healthier last year, Uh, you know, and that's when he was healthy because he was injured a lot throughout the year, but he just didn't have a good year last year. Uh, And even in the year that the Browns were playing good football, Baker Mayfield had a good stretch, of course, but throughout the entire season, his entire body of work just wasn't all that great, in my opinion. Uh, so the Browns are sort of, you know, they sat there, they looked at the, the Sean Watson situation and said, hey, we don't think Baker Mayfield is the guy to lead us, you know, at quarterback for potentially a Super Bowl. So let's go out and get a quarterback who, when he last played, he was putting up ridiculous numbers, even, you know, with the situation around him crumbling and being bad because the Texans are a really bad organization, Um, Let's bring Deshaun Watson in. And, you know, if we do bring him in, I think we have a really good shot at winning the Super Bowl. And that's basically how it went down. And yeah, you're right. Baker Mayfield got screwed. But the end of like and, you know, this is and sometimes I hate when people say this, but it's reality. And it's the NFL is a business, first and foremost, like it's a business. First and foremost, personal relationships and everything they get created in this league, and brotherhoods get created, and that's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, this NFL is a multi-billionaire, multi-billion-dollar business. Excuse me. So, teams are going to do what's in their best interest, and you know, for the Browns' case, moving on for Baker Mayfield is in their best interest at this point in time. So, uh, that's how I view the situation with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, uh,
0: definitely is a business. Shout out to the Texans, quite frankly, who are a huge winner in all of this. You get a constant PR distraction off of your roster and you recoup three first round draft picks. You have already several first round draft picks this year. I know that we don't really like Nick Casario and the front office over there, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and see what they do to build the roster, at least. I think that they've screwed over minority coaches, and that's bad. But let's give them a chance to build the roster and, and see what they do. Uh, they're still unproven at that, but they have all the tools to – I. I really don't think it's crazy to think the Texans, if they hit on a few draft picks over the next two or three years to say in two or three years,
1: they'll be right back as a playoff contender in the AFC. That's probably extremely best case scenario with this roster simply because being realistic, even the greatest GMs don't consistently hit on the majority of their draft picks because it's it's there's so many variables that goes into a draft selection, really panning out for your football team. And, you know, the Texans, they're a little bit unproven, like you said, when it comes to building a roster. And uh, to be quite frank, it, you know, just, you know, bringing up the possibility of them being a potential playoff team in two to three years, if everything works out uh, roster building wise and personnel wise. For, you know, like you you said, an an organization that's in a regime that's still so unproven at building a roster, I think that's quite far-fetched because let's just get this straight. The Texans roster is still quite bad right now. Like, it's still quite bad. I know there were some, you know, exciting moments maybe from, you know, from some unexpected sources last season. But this roster is still bad, and they have a ton, and I mean a ton of work to do to build this roster back into a contender, not only for just an AFC playoff spot, uh, but just to get out of the cellar and be competitive and competent again. So um, I think that suggestion that you had is a little bit far-fetched, but I've seen crazier things happen, so uh, it is what it is. Yeah.
0: Well, that was depressing to talk about. Uh, I feel like we need something to change the mood. So why don't you give me the prospects of Barcelona
1: in Champions League play next year? Well, we're sitting at third in the league with a game in hand over our competition around us. Uh, If We could continue to play well and, Win the majority of our fixtures for the remainder of the season, we might actually finish second because we're only three points behind Sevilla. Sevilla, excuse me, with a game in hand, and we play them right after the international break too. So, um, I'm excited, real excited. Um, just actually, just really excited for the rest of the season, maybe even the summer transfer window. So, um, things are fun around Barcelona right now, and I couldn't be more happy or more excited for the future.
0: So I'm kind of taking a year off uh, from a a gap year where I'm going to keep working part-time next year, Trey. I feel like uh, this provides us – I'm going to have a lot more free time. I feel like this provides us a key opportunity. But we're World Cups next November, right? Maybe. 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 We'll have to see, though. But – So it might not happen? Mm. Depends. Depends on what? I was not aware of this. Wait, I think I heard you
1: wrong. <laughs> in all honesty, what did you actually say? <laughs> oh, I, I said, isn't the World Cup next November? Oh, I thought, I don't know. I'm My bad. I don't know what I was thinking. But yes, the World Cup is actually, it's actually in December, which sucks, man. You know, they're, they're, the plan is for them to play all their league stuff and everything up until uh, December. You know, they're going to go off for World Cup break. And then they're going to come back and play a full season after that, which is stupid. So, but I feel
0: like we should devote October on and we should do, we should make this a combined, we should just make this a football podcast where we talk about both kinds of football and it doesn't have to be for the longest time, but we just give some opinions every week on, on what's going on in the world of soccer, because I feel like that's a way I can keep your engagement high and your enthusiasm there. And we can really let the Trey Watkins personality, which is glorious when it shines shine. What
1: what do you think about that? Uh, I don't actually, I don't know. It would be an intriguing idea. It would be something that we will have to discuss a lot further though, but uh, sounds a little bit intriguing, especially with the World Cup coinciding with football season, like NFL football season. Yeah, like we could, like we could throw on an extra segment at the
0: end. We could do our week previews where we talk about a few games we're going to talk about here, and then we could preview a few fixtures from everywhere in Europe. And I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll have more time so I can watch everything, and it'll be—I feel like that would be a lot of fun. Won't hmm. be too bad then. Okay, well, let's keep that on the back burner for sure. See, now the mood's lightened, right? We feel a lot better now, right? We're we're not talking about the terrible things happening in the NFL. That's great. Now we can move on to the fun part. Free agency. So much has happened over since we last talked to you. Devontae Adams got traded. That's just crazy. Uh, We'll talk about that. Lots of free agents signed. So. Here's what we're going to do, Trey. You and I, for the next hour or so, are going to sit down and trade teams that we like what they've done in free agency. And I will go first so you can have some more time to browse. Um, Let's honestly just go division by division here. We don't have to talk about every single team. Of course, but, but let's, you know, give one team in each division that we like. And then if there's a team in there that we're unsure of, I don't think anyone had a bad free agency. It's hard to have a bad free agency. Uh, I want to call it meh free agencies. So we'll talk about some meh free agencies too. And likely we'll talk about every single team in the NFL. But not for the longest time. So, Trey, starting now, let's go around the NFL. I will start. What is Bill Belichick doing in New England exactly? Because he traded away his starting guard to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Shaq Mason, that is, a guy who's 28 and playing relatively well for a fifth-round pick. Anyone who thinks that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's relationship is damaged beyond repair clearly has not seen this trade because Bill Belichick was just like, okay, yeah, Tom Brady, we'll we'll give you like one of your favorite guards back and for nothing. And the fact that the Patriots didn't really do anything. They let JC Jackson walk mistake. I mean, they re-signed Devin McCordy. They kept the guys that are Patriots guys. They kept James White. They kept Brian Hoyer. But they didn't really do anything. They didn't add weapons around Mac Jones. And they made his protection significantly worse. So I'm not entirely sure what's happening in New England. But it seems like Bill Belichick is not a great GM, as I've kind of posited on this podcast over the last few years, uh, without Tom Brady. So... We'll see what he does in the draft. He'll probably draft someone obscure from a division round two school, right? Round one. That feels like something that's definitely going to happen. And uh, we'll all say, what are you doing, Bill Belichick, after the draft? And maybe it won't matter when they end up 10-7 and again and back in the playoffs because Bill Belichick's Bill Belichick and the Patriots are the Patriots.
1: But I think they've had a truly underwhelming offseason. No, they have. And, you know, the whole idea of adding weapons around Mac Jones, that was literally one of the main things they had to do. And I guess the only thing they've done in that facet was, I I believe they tendered Jacoby Myers, but that's about it. So uh, at this point in time, I don't know if there's any really quality free agent wide receivers they can go out there and sign and they make an immediate impact. I mean, maybe Will Fuller, but. He's coming off a disappointing year, and he's extremely, I mean, extremely injury-prone. Julio Jones is going to be out there, but do you really want to bring him in there to be an important wide receiver with all the injury problems that he had? you want to rely on him? So uh, there's there's quite a bit of questions for how the Patriots are going to explore adding weapons for Mac Jones. I mean, like you said, maybe in the draft they'll probably – actually they'll likely go after a wide receiver because that's probably the model that the Patriots want to do since they have so much money tied into other, to other resources elsewhere. Uh, You know, but who knows it'll be an interesting draft for sure. There's one player who I've jokingly always said is going to be a Patriot. (laughs) One of the wide receivers in this draft process, Alec Pierce, over six foot three wide receiver from Cincinnati. I believe he's going to be a Patriot 100%. And there's white guy. Uh, Is he white? Yes, white. Oh, yeah. Blooded white. White. Yep. But you know what? He's literally one of the most athletic wide receivers in this draft. So that'll be one of the more weirder, like athletic white guys. Yep. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's going to be a Patriot one way or another, man. <laughs> you know, the other guy, Britton Covey,
0: athletic white guy. Covey, Lobo- man. Bill Belichick loves those athletic white guys.
1: Britten hey, Covey man. will
0: be the punt returner for the New England Patriots next year. The I could actually so, see that, though. <laughs> the man so elegantly featured on our uh, advertisement for Wills from our great sponsor, Andrew McCullough, uh, that Britton Covey will be a New England Patriot. Mark my words. I could see that. That's yeah, happening.
1: Really see that.
0: <laughs> That's happening. And he, and he might not get drafted, but UDFA, he'll be there. He will be a yes, Patriot. Sir. Yep. So just mark that down right now. Congrats, Brayden Covey, on becoming a tough slot receiver that has a decent NFL career. So congrats to you. (laughs) All right, Trey, where
1: are you going here? Uh, I want to go over to the AFC North. and I want to congratulate the Cincinnati Bengals for doing the one thing that they literally were tasked with doing in free agency, which is fine, competent, big dudes to help protect Joe Burrow from getting shots in his side and in his chest and in his head. Because literally, we, we saw what went down last year with the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line and how Joe Burrow kept on getting sacked, take, you know, kept on taking way too many hits and putting his health at risk. Well, the Bengals clearly saw it, and thank God they did, they went out and addressed their offensive line. They got Tech Karras from New England. Uh, they got God, goodness gracious, I keep forgetting his name. I believe it's Alex Tapas, but guard from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who was uh, really one of the stories, um, you know, for that offensive line that protected Tom Brady. You know, you know, of course, during the past couple of years that he's been in Tampa Bay. And they just went out today and they just secured the signing of Lyle Collins, who, you know, he's had a real good career in Dallas, but was cut due to cap, you know, concerns. Uh, He slides in at right tackle. And, you know, with all those sidings secured, they literally have their right side of their offensive line secured. The only sort of spot that remains a question is left guard. And, you know, they still could go after a rookie left guard in the draft, one that could really suit what they're trying to do offensively. And lucky for them, there's some nice guard prospects uh, in the draft. So congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. (laughs) Uh, Luckily, you find a nice left guard in the draft. And if you do, then once again, (laughs) it's Yeah, you keep Jesse Bates on the
0: franchise tag, right? And uh, hopefully they get a long-term deal with him done too. So that that helps. Uh, they bring back most of the players on their defense, but made the defense pretty good last year. Uh, I know we clown Eli Apple, but they would have had a hole at cornerback if they didn't re-sign him. But now you can go since you've upgraded the offensive line, you can use that first round pick to perhaps draft a successor for Eli Apple, which might be kind of cool because it as, be
1: either.
0: yeah. So it, it'll be, so I, I agree. Cincinnati, definitely a team uh, that is one. Um, I'm going to go back to the AFC East really quick and just say the Buffalo Bills, solid work. I mean, <laughs> they lost they lost their original offensive guard. They got Roger Saffold, a guy you're very familiar with. Pretty good guard. Yep. Uh, Mitch Morris, they extend him. He's been a great center for them. They bring in O.J. Howard, who I like quite a bit. Can be a nice number two next to Dawson Knox, who really came on down the stretch. Isaiah McKenzie, they cut Cole Beasley. Isaiah McKenzie becomes the speed deep threat. I liked that. He was great down the stretch last year. Oh, and they get free agent headhunter Von Miller. And then I know everyone freaked out about the contract. That's Trey and I both know. That's that's not a real contract. Like that's just what the agent put out there. It sure, it's six years, $120 million. That's what could be earned. I guarantee you they have it so he can play for one or two years and then they can cut it right, Trey? Like, I'm not freaking out about it like the rest of Twitter was. Like, they've clearly got this structured well. Billy Bean's a smart man.
1: Yeah, I believe they have it structured well because Von Miller is, what, 32, 33 years old? Paying a a guy, you know, it doesn't matter how good and how experienced and how legendary he is, paying a 32, 33-year-old all that money, you know, unless he's still at the very, very top of his game is... Not good and not reasonable, not responsible. So, um, I, I will I, say, though,
0: would you not agree that Von Miller was at the very, very top of his game in, in the playoffs? I would say he was.
1: Yeah, I believe he was. And uh, if the Bills are paying Von Miller this money based on him being able to elevate their team in the playoffs, then, then okay, sure, I can, I can, I guess I can somewhat understand giving him all that money. You know, if he is getting all that money. But if you're paying them solely for, you know, year round, season round success consistently, then no, I don't think it's a good deal. But I think what you said is probably the message here is that they're just really relying on him to give them, you know, more leadership and more production from their pass rush in the playoffs, which hasn't been good over the past couple of years. You know, we talked so much about Josh Allen, but that defense, you know, despite they were a real good defense last year. Uh, a lot of the statistics, excuse me, were on their side last year, but uh, their pass rush just wasn't really all that great in the playoffs last year. So um, adding Bob Miller helps that. And, you know, you can only help hope it does because the bills can really put things together. They're going to be going to the Super Bowl because that's just how good they are. So um, it's a, it's a, it's a good deal, you know, on the basis that we talked about earlier in terms of, you know, postseason success and, uh, based on what we've discussed, we believe that, you know, that's what the Bills are banking on with this contract.
0: Shaq Lawson, they bring him in too. Uh, nice guy to do as kind of a depth guy. They they do have some pretty decent edge rushers who were on and off during the season, but I mean, it's, a, it's just a solid defensive roster. They need to draft another cornerback to help, uh, because Trey White is, has that injury kind of problem now but if they get another good corner in the draft which I, I think they can I think they're they're uh, they are very set uh, to jump to the AFC North and just give one team I I, I know Zadarius Darius Smith pulled out but I just want to say Trey like the Ravens are just such a good organization. Like, can you think of the last time they didn't come out of free agency with some good players on manageable team deals? Like they're just a well-run organization.
1: Yeah. And it, it just goes back to Ozzie Newsom when he was general manager for as long as he was. And now Eric DeCosta, who's uh, really taken on the mantra of the Ravens and just really become a really solid GM. Not you know, not just you know, in terms of personnel. Everything, but he's become a really, really good general manager for this football team, and uh, it really reflects and shows based off the moves that he's made. So, um, it sucks for them that they didn't get Zadarius Smith back because you know, I believe you know, they got you know, if they did get Smith, he's instantly the best pass rusher on the team. Uh, but you know, I think they're still in a good spot either way, so um. The way that the Ravens are moving, it's smart, of course, they're smart almost every single year. But uh, we'll see how the rest of their free agency goes because they still have you know some room and some capacity to make some more moves. So it um, should be an interesting remainder of the free agency, well, the main free agency period for the Baltimore Ravens.
0: Take note, Jags. You don't need to spend a billion dollars to win free agency. Sheesh, man. The, the Ravens made literally three moves. Got Morgan Moses, pretty decent offensive tackle that you can yep. throw into your rotation. Yep. Got Michael Pierce, a decent rotational defensive tackle, and added Marcus Williams, one of the better safeties in the league, who now makes that secondary even more ferocious. I, I, I think there's a real argument to be made that if they draft an edge rusher with their pick that's high, I, I forget where they pick exactly. I, I saw like Jermaine Johnson, who we talked about a few weeks ago, mocked to him. Imagine they get Jermaine Johnson, trade, like, and if he hits, like, this
1: could easily be the best defense in the AFC. It could because, you know, um, unless they get destroyed by injuries like they did last year, which was extremely, and I mean, extremely unfair to them, they should be a good unit. You know, you should be getting Marlon Humphrey back. You should be getting Marcus Peters back. Um, I don't know if they're going to bring back Calais Campbell, although I believe they should. You know, he's still producing at such an old age. And he can still play a decent amount of snaps. So I'd bring back uh, Calais Campbell. Uh, but, you know, aside from that, you know, it's not a stretch. Their defense could be really, really good uh, in 2022. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's not a stretch what you said. So I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, the development of that Ravens defense. Now that you mentioned that, in all honesty,
0: all right, where are we go next,
1: Trey? Um, let's go over to the team that had an obvious need and a couple obvious needs, and they filled them quite frankly. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers, man, they came into this offseason with a couple of needs, you know, and one big obvious need, and that was corner. So they went on and dressed it. They signed J.C. Jackson from the New England Patriots, signed him to a big year deal, five-year, uh, $82.5 million. He's been one of the more underrated corners in all of football over the past couple of years. And, you know, I say underrated simply because there are a lot of other corners that get a lot of, you know, play in the media, uh, more than J.C. Jackson In all, honesty, because he's, he's just been shut down. He's, he creates turnovers, uh, really sets up. His team, you know, in really good positions defensively and sets up, you know, because he's such a turnover magnet, he really sets up his, you know, his own offense, his own offense, excuse me, in good position. So uh, the Chargers really lacked a playmaker in the secondary aside from Derwin James. Um, and I believe there was one more uh, player in the secondary that I'm really forgetting about that played really good football last year. So forgetting Chris Harris, Chris Harris. Yeah, Chris Harris. Uh, so them adding you know a legit shutdown corner to pair with derwin james and if they bring back chris harris maybe they can bring back chris harris so um i'm real excited for the chargers you know moving forward because they're in a they're in a division now and in a conference where uh if they don't step up really their play and shed their inconsistencies that they had last season they're going to be left behind because the conference is just so deep now uh from maybe from top to you know the middle of the pack so uh, good them or good first week of free agency by the chargers and we'll see how they do with the draft. But uh, so far, I really liked what they did.
0: Yeah. Sebastian Joseph day. He's a guy that's kind of under the radar, but a good run stopper. They have a 31st Frank run defense last year. Obviously they did better to combat that. They still have some draft picks to work with. They didn't give up too much in the Khalil Mack trade. Um, they're just a solid team. And they added Gerald Everett today, which is an upgrade from Jared Cook, quite frankly. So the Chargers, they're on the right ch- path. However, I will add, the Chargers are the offseason champions. As a closet Chargers fan, I know, I know, I know, Trey. I know I'm a closet Chargers fan. But don't I say this literally every year? Isn't literally every year me just being like, man, they had such a great off-season? Yeah, (laughs) they've they've got to make it translate on the field this year. They just have to. They have to make the playoffs or this is a colossal failure of catastrophic proportions. And if if this team misses the playoffs, I don't know what you do, but you got to blow something up. You got to fire the coach. You got to fire the GM. You got to trade some players. You got to be like, okay, this clearly isn't working. Let's keep Justin Herbert and. Cut Keenan Allen and just redo the whole juju of the franchise. Hopefully, Chargers hype season, which it is right now, pays off this year. Uh, I think it will because I'm a Chargers believer. But it's worth noting that this has n- literally never worked before for them. So, uh, yeah, that would be that would be my one one cautionary tale on the Los Angeles Superchargers.
1: Yeah. I think you're being a little bit too dramatic and the whole idea of saying, if it doesn't work this year, blow it up. You know, this is still a good young nucleus. You just need to keep adding pieces. So I think you're a little too over dramatic with that, but no, I, I do share the same sort of concern with you, you know, being that if the chargers don't make the playoffs this year and they should, despite, you know, the AFC being so stacked as it is now, uh, we're going to have to have a little bit of a discussion because this, this roster, this team needs and should make the playoffs
0: 100%. While we're here, let's just talk about the AFC West because they collectively won free agency. Uh, we Let's start with the Raiders. Well, one, you trade for Devontae Adams. So you immediately see, okay, last year they lost Henry Ruggs. They really didn't have that many wide receiving threats. And then suddenly now you have an offense with Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. That's like the third down equivalent of literal heaven for Derek Carr. Like they're in third down, they will always convert Trey. Like always. As someone's always going to convert. And we've had this discussion before. Both of us believe Derek Carr is somewhere around a top 10 quarterback, around 10 or twelve. I think adding Devontae Adams, Derek Carr is a guy that needs people around him. With Devontae Adams on the team, I will safely say when we do our quarterbacks episode later this offseason, I'm putting Derek Carr as a top 10 quarterback because this is a move that makes
1: him bad. 100%. Uh, You know, there were some times last year where the Raiders often struggled because they didn't have that – Insane surplus of wide receivers and weapons around Derek Carr because Darren Cotton, excuse me, Darren Waller was going through some injury issues. They lost Henry Ruggs. uh, And it really left Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs to really fend for themselves, fend for themselves, and do whatever they could to make that Raiders offense chug as best it could. So out of Devontae Adams, who is by far, arguably, the best wide receiver in football, Darren Waller, top five tight end at worst. You have Hunter Renfro, who was, who's been really, really reliable ever since he's came into the league and you have an offense that should threaten uh, teams, not only just in the AFC West, but in the conference as well. Now, a lot of this banks on Josh McDaniels not getting in his own way and running that same stagnant, disgusting, bad offense that, you know, he ran over there in uh, New England while he was still there. So uh, we'll see. I like the pieces that they have, but I think a lot of this predicates on whether Josh McDaniels is up to the case.
0: All right. Uh, I like the other moves they made, too. They traded away Yannick Ngakwe for Rakia Sin to fill the Casey Hayward void. Rocky Sin is a quality corner. Nothing special, but a quality corner. And they add Chandler Jones, who is literally, I don't think, ever had a less than 10 sack season.
1: So yeah, it's, that was one of my favorite moves of free agency. Too. So
0: it's Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Suddenly, you're like, oh, well, maybe that's, let's just do some pass rush rankings really quick. That's got to be the second best pass rush in the division, right?
1: I to be. You know, I think that's a strong case for. Like, you could make maybe. an
0: argument that it's first.
1: To be honest with you, I know maybe, but Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack is literally Madden stuff, man. <laughs>
0: Joey Bosa is kind of a cheat code there, but Max Crosby is not that far away from Joey Bosa, I don't think.
1: That's fair. So I think that's really fair. I I, I mean, Raiders
0: are going to be not. I mean, if if things work out on paper which they hardly ever do, the AFC West should take up every single wildcard spot and have four playoff teams.
1: They should, because I don't see how any team in that division misses the playoffs unless they just literally thin off of each other, literally in division games, because each game is literally going to be so competitive in that division.
0: Which, by the way, I swear to God, NFL, if you put the Giants on TV this year more than the AFC West, I'm I'm coming for somebody. Well, because I think you know why, that. Why, <laughs> why can't they just put every single AFC West matchup this season on primetime? I think maybe they don't want to water down the product and, and the intrigue. Oh, Intrigued they already games? put the NFC East on there all the time. If the NFC East has more primetime games than the AFC West, we riot,
1: Trey. It's simple as that. Well, the NFC East games bring in numbers, consistently bring in numbers, because the NFC East fan bases literally will tune in to watch their favorite team on primetime, no matter how Dude, crappy Name
0: me are. a more infectious fan base right now than the fan bases of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Denver Broncos, the Oakland Ra- the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Those are all incredibly hungry fan bases. You will that's, get the numbers. That's fair. Population exists on the West Coast. It does. It's not like people don't live out here. I know that, I know you think I live in like a ghost town, Trey, but like there are lots of people that live in the Western United States.
1: Oh, I, I, I think I recognize Salt Lake City as a metropolitan area. So I don't think you live in a ghost town, man. <laughs> All right.
0: Uh, the Broncos, gotta talk about it. Um, Randy Gregory, really giving him $28 million guaranteed. Am I a fan of giving him that money? Absolutely not. The guy is a walking drug case. You can look at his suspension history. He's literally been suspended, Trey. I counted it up. Three full seasons throughout his entire NFL career. Three. Three entire six. I went 16 game, not the new one. But three entire sixteen game seasons is how long he has been suspended. That's crazy. And, and, and the fact that I, I I don't know, he's also been hurt and an in injury risk for a lot of his career. So you have two injury prone guys in Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. Hopefully that doesn't blow up. Blow up. Knowing the Broncos' luck, it definitely will. Uh, they brought in some depth guys. But they, the biggest needs for them with their limited draft resources are going to be offensive tackle and cornerback, which is extreme. Cornerback is extremely thin for them right now. So uh, it, it sounds like from sources in Denver that they're kind of done making moves. Overall, though, let's just throw the fact they got Russell Wilson. They're definitely a winner this offseason. The fact that they got a quarterback – makes them a winner. They are, I would argue,
1: they won the offseason if Russell Wilson is what we think he can be. That's fair. Um, you can make the case for some other teams that won the offseason, but the Broncos literally doing what they what they did, you know, over the past couple weeks, them being in discussion as having the best off season, you know, of the, you know, 2022 offseason, it's definitely fair and it's definitely in play. Chiefs,
0: I mean, rich get richer. I know people don't like Juju Smith-Schuster for some reason anymore, but let me just give you a scenario, Trey. Uh, The defense drops eight on you in the playoffs again. All that's open is the middle of the field. Oh, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, one of the best, like, middle-of-the-field threats in the entire NFL. Okay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Okay, play cover two against the Chiefs all season. Juju Smith Schuster is going to put up crazy number numbers just running wide open in the middle of the field. So, and it frees up Michael Hardman to be more of an extra deep threat. I know okay. people are crapping on this move. I don't see. I don't see why though. This is not. This was not the signing that made me say, "What are you doing, Kansas City?" That was Frank Clark. Frank Clark is bad, and they just gave him money for free. They're burning money with Frank Clark. Hoping he can be what he used to be. He is not a good player anymore.
1: No, see, and like you said, it's Juju Smith Schuster hasn't really secured the best reputation around the league, both from fans and players, because of you know the things he's done on social media and all that jazz over the past couple of years. But let's not get it twisted. Juju Smith Schuster is still really good. <laughs> like he's still really good. Uh, He had an injury-filled season last year. But let's just take a minute to go over, not even go over, just look back on the things that he did, you know, in the last time that he had a competent, uh, complimentary piece around him. You know, when Antonio Brown was still in Pittsburgh and still playing decent football, he was putting up insane numbers. Insane numbers. And that's in an offense that isn't nearly as good as Andy Reid's. So imagine him being in an offense where Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are going to take up a lot. And I mean, a lot of attention. That's just going to leave him one you know, with a lot of really gracious one-on-one opportunities uh, to just really stack up stats, whether it's across the middle, whether he gets to go deep, which he hasn't really been given the chance to do because Big Ben has had the arm of a noodle over the past couple of years. Uh, so this is a great move like a really great move it's a move he should have done last year or he should have did last year because that was really the most obvious move for him to make but instead he was blinded by his weird love for Pittsburgh went back had a bad injury riddled season and his value tanked so um, I think this is a great move for uh, Juju Smith in Kansas City so uh, I'm really actually excited to see how their offense does you know, with all the pieces that they have now. So it should be a real fun season for Kansas City offensively.
0: AFC West is going to be absolutely wild. All right, let's go to the AFC South, and then uh, we'll take a
1: break. I will let you start, Trey. I think I know where you'll go. Uh, Well, sure. I guess I'll start with the division winners from last year. Uh, They brought back some key free agents. They brought back. This is the uh, Titans for, Yeah, Excuse me, for me, yes, initiated listeners who that maybe this is your
0: first episode. Trey is a Titans writer, so was... he's going to talk about the Titans. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so the Titans, well, they had a big offseason ahead of them, but not a lot of cap room to really make a whole bunch of moves. Uh, they released Roger Saffold. Uh, they didn't tender David Questenberry. Um, there were some talks that they might cut Taylor Huan, but they didn't in the end, which was probably for their own good. Uh, And probably the big release, they cut Julio Jones uh, with a post-June 1st designation, which, you know, when the savings do arrive on, you know, past June 1st, they should see some relief in the cap room area. So um, after the Julio Jones release, they hadn't really made any decent signings. You know, I believe they did sign Austin Hooper, who got released from the Cleveland Browns uh, after they signed Julio, or excuse me, released Julio Jones. Um, So Austin Hooper is probably going to be the main veteran you know, pass catching, playmaking tight end, um, along with the rookie, which I probably think they will draft the a rookie tight end. And luckily for them, the tight end group is really, really deep this year. So um they're gonna probably draft the rookie tight end to go along with you know the addition of Austin Hooper. So um aside from Austin Hooper, they did trade for Robert Woods. It's coming off an ACL injury, but if he's healthy and he comes back healthy, he fits their offense to a T. Really good blocker. Reliable hands, great route runner. He's a a really good teammate as well. So he just fits the Titans to a T both on the football field and in the locker room and what the organization wants uh, from their players personally and from a character standpoint. So um, that's probably the biggest move they made so far. Just some couple under the radar moves they did make Ben Jones been their leader at center along the offensive line since 2016, He's around 33, 34 years old, but he's still playing at a high level. So it was a given that they should have brought him back. They brought back Harold Landry, of course. We already went over that move, signed him to a big money extension, uh, 80 excuse me, 87 and a half million dollars. But the other moves that they did make, you know, one of those moves were, you know, the official terms for this move released today. They brought back Randy Bullock, uh, kicker maybe around $4.68 million, (laughs) Uh, which might not sound all that interesting. But for the Titans, who had a volatile kicking situation, excuse me, for the past couple of years. Uh, They were using um, rotation of kickers because they couldn't settle on an option and couldn't find one. But they found Randy Bullock. He kicked consistently well for the most part last season, so they brought him back. They brought by Morgan Cox, long snapper, (laughs) won't spend too much time on that. They brought back Buster Screen, who will probably be that veteran uh, sort of outside corner that will be there waiting in the wings to help, and, you know, just in case, you know, their first round pick from last year, Caleb Farley, doesn't play well or gets hurt. Uh, so, you know, with the release, you know, of Janoris Jenkins earlier on in the offseason, Caleb Farley, Farley is expected to start. And uh, If he doesn't play well or he gets hurt, Buster Screen will probably be there waiting in the wings uh, to so you well. Know, What's the word? Spell him. That's the word. Uh, and probably the last under the radar move, but one move that just did not make sense just because of the money that they paid him and how underwhelming his play was last year. Titan Jeff Swain. He was one of the reasons the Titan room was disgusting last year. Could barely block, didn't have good hands, wasn't that good of a receiver. So, what did the Titans do? They brought him back on a one year deal worth $3.5 million. Doesn't make sense. So he's probably going to be a Titan that's going to get snaps next year, which if you're a Titans fan, you shouldn't want, and you should beg that he doesn't get snaps because he's just not that good of a football player. So uh, that's all I have on the Titans. Um, if you want to go over maybe a little bit more of the moves that, that the AMC South because I know there's one more team who really did some very naughty things in free agency over the past week. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'd just like to give like a shout out to you. Like, congrats on winning the division again. Like, to me, this is the division that had like the bad off season. Like the Texans went out, they signed a bunch of they signed a bunch of guys, but no difference makers. They just signed a bunch of guys. Same thing they did last year. Just signed a, a bunch of guys to be on the roster, basically. Um the Jaguars, I mean, I don't know what the Jaguars are doing. You're, you're giving Christian Kirk $72 million? Oof, Lord. like, <laughs> like Christian Kirk, I am not a fan of Christian Kirk. He's literally a wide receiver three. Why, why are you giving a wide receiver three wide receiver one money? You're going to build, you're, you're telling me, that tells me that you don't trust LaVisca Chenault and you think you're going to build your offense around us Slot receiver, slot I mean, receiver. I, I mean, I mean, what that doesn't make any sense. You sign Brandon Scherf, which they had to do something to help their offensive line. They tag Cam Robinson, okay, that's that's kind of a bandage. They sign Brandon Scherf, Brandon Scherf is good, but he has an injury history. And then you just sign a bunch of like, why, why are you bringing back Trey Herndon? I've said this many a time. Trey Herndon is a terrible football player like the guy is a liability at corner and yet you're re-signing him in free agency like what you're you're signing Evan Ingram who is a terrible tight end you're you're giving 24 million dollars to Zay Jones who, who had his moments in Las Vegas don't get me wrong he was a nice piece for them but you're expecting Zay Jones to be your wide receiver one now like what what like what are you doing guys? like I like shark walk too like they, they let him walk <laughs> like what? like you'd be much better off just just give yeah like I'm, I'm just incredibly confused slash kind of laughing off for Jaguars off season like okay, we'll see what you do in the draft. uh I got sucked in last year you were you'll remember. I was slightly positive about the Jaguars. I'm not doing that again. I'm not stupid, Trey. Uh, I will continue to think they're bad until they prove otherwise.
1: So yeah, and that's that's good advice. But the <laughs> the one only the one other thing that kind of sucks with what they did with the Christian Kirk contract is that they completely, and I mean I mean this in the most utter way. They completely destroyed the wide receiver market for the rest of the league, rest of the league. So if you're a fan of a team that has a young stud wide receiver and it's set and is set to get paid, Washington, Tennessee, maybe Seattle, you're gonna feel and you're gonna gonna have to expect some high and I mean high numbers contractually for those young wide receivers when they get their extensions done. Can because I dis- Christian Kurt just literally imploded the wide receiver market, like imploded it. Can
0: I disagree with that, though? Okay, go ahead.
1: people are saying that,
0: right? But doesn't it feel like the past three years we've been told, oh, this is a really good wide receiver class? Like the way college football is played at this point and the lack of difference between – college football and pro football offensively and the the closing of the gap in that respect, like you are going to be able to find, like I know none of the guys that are going to get drafted this year are wide receiver ones, but there are at least got five guys that are going to contribute like 800 yards a season. Right. Like maybe I think that you are going to be able, wide receivers can become the next running back, you know, You can find but the thing is I think you can find I think wide receiver is the deepest position in the NFL. You can find a a good wide receiver literally anywhere. I I really think that this is just a Jacksonville thing.
1: Well, okay. And in some cases, sure, but not every talent at wide receiver is gonna pan out and give you something to think about in terms of replacing a player that you don't want to pay. It's just it's just not gonna work that easily like that. Running backs work way differently from wide receivers in that aspect in what you're comparing.
0: Well, also, I think that's just a lot, not true either because we'll get to the NFC after our break, but like the Rams signed Allen Robinson for $46 million. Allen Robinson is like infinitely better than Christian Kirk. So, so I guess I, I, I just don't believe you're – I'm
1: not with you on, on that take. Well, and the thing is, is that the whole Allen Robinson and Christian Kirk situation, those are two different situations. Allen Robinson is still a very talented wide receiver that has something to give because, you know, he had though that weird time in Chicago, but he's still an insanely talented wide receiver that still has something to give to a good team. Christian Kirk is a slot receiver who... Hasn't put up, I I, I believe hasn't put up a 1,000 yard season, but he's getting paid like he's Devontae Adams. It's just, it's just the whole idea of proven players are going to get their money because like I said, it is extremely, and I mean extremely hard to replace a proven player with the idea of a young rookie player Coming in and giving you that production, maybe in two, three years' time. Because, like I said, there are a lot of things that have to go right in order for a draft pick to work out. So, if you have a proven commodity that you know is going to give you production and it's going to pay off for you years down the line, then teams are just going to sit there, they're going to keep it, and they're not going to just rely on a rookie wide receiver to come in and replace that player, unless that replacement player has a really, really good chance of replacing the output that that you know that good player that wants to be played wants to be paid had i I, that's probably where i'm coming with it in all honesty yeah i I still just think
0: i disagree i i i really don't see wide receiver contracts going up that much i i think jacksonville just has to pay that money because they're jacksonville uh the other team before we go to break that i want to criticize like can we just stop praising Chris Ballard for getting cap space. Like, if you're not going to use cap space, then what? why are we praising you for it? Like, they didn't do anything to get better, and they weren't a playoff team last year. They literally did nothing to get better. Like, Yannick, Ngak- Yannick Ngakwe, maybe, but, like, probably not. He's been on five teams in what team? the last five years. Like incredible red flag there like okay chris ballard might be good at the draft and everything that's cool but like at some point when you have 60 million dollars in free agency like go out and spend that money yeah and and like try to make your team better like they 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 quite frankly could have used a guy like sheriff to put beside um what's his face gwen nelson um they they could have used A Christian Kirk to be honest with you Christian Kirk would have been a perfect fit for their wide receiver core they're still really thin at wide receiver they got thinner at quarter by they got thinner at corner by trading Rocky Sin like I I guess I'm just kind of confused at what the Colts are and they traded away the Carson Wentz thing did we talk about this last time like I believe we did that the more i think about that like i guess jim ursay really must have hated the guy right
1: maybe because
0: like are are you really gonna upgrade when you walk into the season with jimmy g or baker mayfield as your quarterback
1: i don't think so well marginally
0: slightly
1: i i i still don't understand like quarterbacks
0: are hard to find people agree that this draft isn't great for him you don't have great draft capital like what would have been so bad about running it back with Carson Wentz and then if you really suck next year you're in position to trade Carson Wentz for more picks and you can trade up in the draft and get a really good quarterback next year
1: well I think the idea with that scenario for the Colts is that maybe Chris Ballard and Frank Wright have some heat on them in terms of their job security. So maybe that idea doesn't really suit them at this point.
0: Yeah, well, I, I would say they're going to get fired because this roster isn't a playoff roster in the AFC. That's for sure. I think, you, I think this roster can contend for a playoff spot if
1: they have a decent quarterback. That's
0: absolutely false. Have you seen what's in the AFC West? Have you seen what the Browns just did? Have you seen what's in the AFC North?
1: Can't the AFC North has three
0: ready. playoff teams. The AFC West has four playoff teams. You're right. The AFC East has two playoff teams, potentially. Like, I get it. <laughs> like, no. This division sucks, and the Colts suck, and quite frankly are boring. They were boring last year. They're worse, they're worse than bad. They're boring.
1: Uh, they are I, don't boring.
0: I don't know. I do All enjoy right.
1: watching Jonathan Taylor, though. So,
0: I guess. Enjoy your running back. Wow. <laughs> um, Hater. <laughs> Hater. <laughs> Enjoy your running back. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Trey, unfortunately, the reality of human life is that someday we will all pass on. No one wants to think about it. It's an uncomfortable topic, but it's important to take care of you and your loved ones when that day
1: comes. That's right, Eric. Fortunately for our listeners, we know of a great guy that can help you set up your wills and trusts.
0: Absolutely, Trey. Our friend Andrew McCullough has you covered. You can find him on Twitter at A-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H-105. His DMs are open and he and the folks at Brindley Sullivan can help you take care of you and your family's estate planning needs. Don't just take our word for it though. Here is University of Utah star and current draft prospect Britton Covey to tell us more.
1: Hey guys, Britton Covey here. As my long time at the University of Utah is coming to a close, it's time for me to start thinking about my future. There's no one I trust more than Andrew McCullough at the firm of Brindley Sullivan for my estate planning needs. Give his office a call to set up a free consultation at 435 673 9220. Andrew's firm is headquartered in St. George, but he spends plenty of time along the Wasatch Front taking care of his needs. So call him and tell him that Britton Covey sent you. More info at trustyourtrust.com.
0: Try. this is your least favorite kind of podcast. This is a two-hour podcast. I I just wanted to apologize in advance. I kind of saw this coming almost immediately after I started looking at these lists the other day. But you know we have to do at least two of these uh, a season. And this is a good place to break uh, because you just heard our ad break. I will timestamp this with the AFC and NFC. People can listen to one half one time, one half the other time. We also haven't been around in a week. You're going to have a whole week to listen to it. But I wanted to apologize to Trey because I know he hates two-hour podcasts. But here we are. At, I, least, you, I, at least I know you care. So. I, I, I promise that I, I I hope you've noticed that I've made a concerted effort to avoid two-hour podcasts. And quite frankly, it's great that Donnie canceled on this today because this would have gone on forever if we had Donnie. I mean, this would have – we we really never would have – shut up so we'll be back next week with shorter podcasts i promise everybody next next week i don't think there will be much to talk about maybe we'll do a little mock draft next week a little post free agency top 15 mock draft how about that what if that's our episode theme for next week trey and maybe
1: but we'll be fun
0: yeah do that and then the week after that, we'll get back to draft breakdowns with Ryan. Um, but we, we, there's just so much NFL news and so many signings. We had to go deep today. So the NFC. We just talked about almost every team in the AFC. Let's get to the NFC. Trey, I will let you start. Where are we starting in the NFC?
1: Uh, well... Just to start it off, the NFC, in terms of free agency, didn't really move me as much in terms of free agency, the AFC, because the ASC, and particularly the AFC West, was literally the wild, wild west, and it was literally chaotic, so, you know, just trying to find a team to start off with is a little bit sort of hard, but maybe I'll start with an obvious winner here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously. They literally got Tom Brady back out of retirement. They got Shaq Mason. They got Russell Gage, who that was probably one, one of the more underrated moves in all of free agency. Russell Gage really played some good football over the over the past two, three years with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and you know what he does? Gets a call from, I don't know, the best player in the history of the NFL, maybe the best athlete in all the sports. <laughs> and he says, why don't you come all down to Tampa Bay? You can catch passes for me and we can potentially win some Super Bowls because the NFC is literally a barren wasteland at this moment in time. Russell Gage accepted that, obviously. And now he's going to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to probably be their third wide receiver since Antonio Brown did some things and is no longer in Tampa Bay. So that's that was pretty, really one of the more underrated moves for me in terms of, overall value for a a real deal championship contender yeah Uh, maybe one or two moves that really you know additionally stood out to me ryan jensen can can i chime in on russell gage really quick yeah go ahead uh you know i thought
0: losing calvin ridley last year did wonders for his career i mean he had been used as mainly a slot guy but he really especially down the stretch if you told me to go game past some of the falcons offense guess what i did because i'm a sicko uh And guess what? Russell Gage was like a really effective outside receiver. Like you can literally play him anyway. He can be your X. He can be your Y. He can be your slot guy. Like he's just a really good wide receiver. He kind of reminds me and I got this uh, comparison from Greg Rosenthal of the NFL podcast. But after I saw around the NFL podcast, but after I heard it, I I just couldn't get it out of my head. He's kind of like Chris Godwin light. Like he's just a really good wide receiver and to add him to that core, I mean, you're absolutely right. And and, and you were about to say they added Ryan Jensen and you know yeah. they, they kept Ryan Jensen. They had Jack Mason, like they keep Carlton Davis. That was huge. They got him I'll to resign them. at even at, at kind of a discount. Yeah. Like, and oh, by the way, you get the carrot of playing in the weaker conference. Yeah, Like, like I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that there's, they should be the number one favorite to come out of the NFC. I don't think anyone's roster
1: competes with them. None. Not even close. They literally just retain, like, a lot of their roster that uh, was helping them contend for Super Bowls over the past couple of years. And, you know, with the Packers trading away Devontae Adams, they don't have – the Packers don't have Zariah Smith. Uh, I believe the only competition they would have is the Rams and uh, you, who knows how the Rams are going to be next year, next season, who knows, but their only competition at this moment in time is the Rams. And, you know, just looking over everything, are we really going to say the Rams have a good chance at beating the Bucks right now? Do they maybe? I mean, who knows, you know, so, um, Bucs should be, like you said, bona fide favorites to come out of the NFC. And if they don't, then that'd be a shame <laughs> because they should come out of the NFC. Like, I literally see no other team giving them any sort of pushback aside from Los Angeles. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a team that I thought was meh.
0: Uh, not only did you do nothing in free agency, you also, like – totally alienated your half of your fan base that didn't want the Deshaun Watson trade. The Saints. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to anything I've retweeted from a Saints Twitter pod or what those guys in a large segment of Saints Twitter feels, which is a great place to be. If you're not in Saints Twitter Trey what are you doing? I mean it's it's just the pinnacle of culture. I love Saints Twitter. But like hilarious they're they're all done with this team. Like they're completely done with this team. They add Marcus May. I like the move. Adam and Ryan did not like that move. I like the move. I think Marcus May is fine. But still, you didn't really do a lot and you lost out on a sexual predator and the guy who could have upgraded your quarterback position. So now you're running it back with Jameis, which is, I mean, that's cool. No one really knows what's up with Michael Thomas.
1: seems like the Saints are in for mediocrity. Yeah, and just to top it all off, you have Dennis Allen at head coaching. you don't have Sean Payton, the genius offensive play caller and play desire who's really helped that offense look even competent, you know, despite having the corpse of Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, and doggone, um, geez, what was his name that started for the Saints for a couple games? Uh, Trevor Simeon. So, I I mean, what what are they going to do? I mean, you still have that defense, sure, but that offense might be horrific. Like, it might be horrific next year.
0: Okay. I'll give you a team I like. And and this is not playoff-like. This is just direction-like. I don't hate what the Detroit Lions did. Their biggest acquisition was adding DJ Chark. That's one more competent wide receiver than they had last year. They had Josh Reynolds, also not bad. We we both know a little bit about Josh Reynolds. Um, they keep their defensive players that stepped up for him down the stretch. And I, I'm confident in saying I think the Detroit Lions will win more games this year than they did last year. That's not a high four to set, but I, I would absolutely not be shocked if they end up going seven and ten or eight and nine.
1: Maybe eight, nine, seven and ten is a bit of a stretch. I think they're ceiling oh, right now. Seven and ten, I said.
0: Not, not. I don't think they're anywhere near ten wins. And eight wins is too high. Seven wins is the
1: ceiling. But hey, that's absolutely. that's higher
0: ceiling than what they had last year.
1: That's true. So, um, yeah, I, I do agree with that. Them bringing in some wide receivers is really beneficial and should be beneficial and was a really good move. Um, The DJ Chark signing is actually kind of intriguing to me because I don't really know, you know, what DJ Chark is at this point. Uh, But if he's anything like, you know, the player that we all caught a glimpse of during his early years in Jacksonville, then I think the Lions wide receiver core is going to be nice Uh, because you have. Uh, Josh Reynolds you have DJ chart you have um um geez it's one of the St. Brown brothers man (laughs) it's one of the St. Brown brothers who had a really really good season um once I remember his name I'll instantly remember it but um you have him and you also have Khalif Raymond who isn't the most crazy game-breaking wide receiver but he's a small guy with speed that had some success uh stretching defenses last year so um That wide receiver core isn't looking too bad. Of course, it's not the best in the world, and it's probably not even top-tier average, but I think it's just a tick below average, maybe a tick below average, maybe at average uh, in terms of talent, in terms of skill level. So um, they're building something nice up there in Detroit, maybe, hopefully, because Lions fans have been through purgatory. They haven't had a team to get excited about in years. Any ownership up there doesn't really seem to care and doesn't really seem to know what they're doing. So, um, I'm going to trust Dan Campbell. I like the culture that he's building down there. Um, I'm going to trust that that culture is going to turn into more consistent results, you know, as we move forward throughout the year. So, um, but for this free agency period, I like what they added in their wide receiver core and I like what they did overall.
0: Uh, this is just a really weird division to me, the NFC North. Um, I would like to put a med tag on the Chicago bears. I guess they don't really believe in Justin Fields because like, Oh, by the way, equanimous St. Brown plays for the bears. He signed a one-year contract. See, I'm telling you, Trey, this, I hand up. This is not all coming from my head. I am not that smart. I'm using the NFL.com cheat sheet. I'm telling you, Trey, you got to get on the cheat sheet. It's beautiful. <laughs> um but they added byron pringle okay i guess like they didn't do anything to fix what was a bad offensive line last year i guess i'm just kind of confused about the bears direction in general it seems like they trade Khalil like it just it just seems like they're rebuilding but also have a young quarterback? I don't really know. I I, I, can't, I can't figure out what... I, I guess the good news for them is they don't play in a very competitive division. So, okay. Um, I don't know. Are you as confused about the Bears offseason as I am? I, I'm just very confused by it. I thought they would do more to try and support Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, at least start a foundation because we all saw how how beaten and battered Justin Fields got behind that offensive line last year. And, you know, maybe it was due more to Matt Nagy's play calling, but that offensive line certainly didn't do him any favor. So I don't I don't know what they're doing either. I mean, maybe they're sort of running along the thinking of, hey, we're not winning anything anytime soon. But maybe we can bring some guys in here. Maybe we can find stroke of luck, maybe compete for a playoff spot in a weird NFC uh, or maybe be competitive in a weird division. Because like you said, the NFC North is a really weird division right now. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I mean, I want to believe in Ryan Poles and what he's trying to build up there. But I just don't know what they're trying to do at this point
0: yeah I, I i'm just very confused by it i guess the other thing let's talk about the Devonte adams ramifications from the green bay packers side of things now you have a first round draft pick you're gonna have to draft a receiver in the first round for a long time alan lazard i have long been an alan lazard fan do i think he can step up and replace Devonte adams probably not um You cut Zadarius Smith to save some cap space. You re-sign Rasul Douglas. That's a good move. But doesn't this just feel like this is... Like, if you look at the Aaron Rodgers contract, and I did some looking into it, and especially I did some looking into it from some uh, Packers podcasters that I follow. If you look at the Aaron Rodgers contract, it reads like a contract that is very tradable. This... This feels like the Aaron Rodgers move wasn't this year, but they'll give it one more year, but both sides, I think, went apart. Like, trading Devontae Adams tells me both sides went apart ways after this year.
1: And Maybe, maybe, because the whole Aaron Rodgers situation was hard to really find a conclusion Uh, this offseason, even with all the quarterback movement. Um, it's just hard to really move for an old quarterback with all the draft capital the Packers were, like, going to ask for him. So uh, maybe that is the situation. Who knows? But if it is, it will be certainly making an intriguing sort of scenario for next offseason for, you know, some teams might be in the quarterback market next offseason for sure. So um, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But if it is, should be fun.
0: Yeah, let's just – I don't, I don't know. Chicago Bears don't really understand what they're doing as a franchise. Oddly enough, the Detroit lions have like the clearest vision in the division is, is that, I don't think that's crazy to say, like they know what they're doing. It looks like, like they're going to be bad this year and be in the sweepstakes for one of these quarterbacks next year.
1: Yeah. And that makes sense. You know, um, and then once they get
0: back quarterback, they'll have some pieces around them and they'll yeah. instantly be
1: a team that can maybe contend for a wild card spot. Exactly. Uh, that does make sense. Um, you talked about the bears and Packers just not having. Yeah. You know, I, I straight directions right now. And you got the same for the Vikings. Uh, so yeah, I could probably agree with the bears or excuse me, not the bears, the lions having the clearest vision in the division right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's – it's – the NFC is a wild place. There's like – It is. There's just like nothing left. (laughs) Um, uh, I mean, you you are – listener, you already thought this was an AFC-centric podcast with a host that roots for the Broncos and a co-host that is a Titans reporter. Guess what? It's about to become even more – like – how many of our games this year do you think? And we're gonna do the same format we did last year. How many games that we pick this year do we think we'll have, like NFC on NFC matchups? I really don't see us doing many of those games.
1: You can probably jot down, you know, pencil in the NFC East side of things because those those teams are guaranteed gonna have guaranteed to have primetime games.
0: Yeah, we do talk That's about
1: you, the primetime like, games. But. Or, but yeah, I it's weird. It's weird. Uh, yeah,
0: the, it's weird. the NFC East team I actually like. Hassan Reddick, Eagles needed a pass rusher. They needed one, and they got a guy that just gets sacks. I, I like what they did. They have a bunch of draft capital. I feel like the Eagles are a winner.
1: Okay, that's that's fair. Maybe. Well, yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't really know you know, what the Eagles are really going to do moving forward because who knows? You know, They're probably not going to get an easy schedule like they did last year. That was really the only reason they made the playoffs because their schedule was insanely easy. Uh, so maybe we'll get a glimpse of what the Eagles are next year and what Jalen Hurts is. Still not completely sold on him. Uh, so maybe this is the year the Eagles look at him saying, okay, you have some tougher competition. Let's see what you can do. And then maybe we'll evaluate your – situation in the offseason but uh yeah the eagles they're in a they're in a may i guess you say slightly encouraging position right now and moving forward the giants will remain competitive when they
0: inevitably bench daniel jones in week eight they signed tyrod taylor as a backup tyrod taylor always fun to watch always a good backup uh A huge, and I mean seismic upgrade from Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon. So there's that. The Giants didn't really do anything else, which didn't make any sense to me. They're they're banking on their draft as well. They've got a ton of picks. But I thought the Tyrod Taylor move deserved a little bit of promise. You don't have to add anything, Trey. There's not really much to add there. (laughs) I I was really trying to think of something to add there. (laughs) Um, Cowboys. Jerry Jones is not a good GM. He's not. Never has Just like plain and simple, they're cash-strapped. They traded away their best wide receiver. Uh, They gave Michael Gallup a massive extension, And I like Michael Gallup. I've always been a Michael Gallup fan, but I don't know if giving him $57 million is the best deal. Like, We'll see. Especially coming
1: off an ACL tier.
0: Now they add James Washington. I like that move. Always been kind of a James Washington guy. But then you lose Xavier Woods. You lose Randy Gregory. The defense isn't as stacked as people think it is. Like Dak had a really terrible end of the year. Like what are the Cowboys? Are the Cowboys even a playoff team? That's another question. I mean, the defense is probably bad enough that they are, but the, the division, I mean, but like still it, it's puzzling. Um, the commanders did, did nothing. Um, got Carson Wentz, I guess. Good for you. Um, Andrew Norwell,
1: that's a notable one, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's it's pretty de- pretty depressing to talk about the NFC. Yeah,
1: um, there's no energy with this with this conference.
0: Yeah, uh, finally, let's check in on the NFC West. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury is in, and and junk and Steve Kime for that matter, uh, feels like if they don't make at least the conference championship game,
1: they're both getting fired. Correct. <laughs> Hmm, maybe, Cardinals owner has re- hasn't really shown a lot of you know, or as or has shown hesit- hesitancy you know when it comes to moving on from Kingsbury or Kingsbury, and uh climb just because those two guys have really brought them back to you know their best level in terms of success since what the Carson Palmer days. So I mean, <laughs> who knows? But they certainly have a roster that's ready to win right now. They just what? need. Well, oh. Go ahead.
0: All the negatives: you lose one of your best pass rushers. You basically chose J.J. Watt over Chandler Jones. That was a mistake. Big time. Um, You're in a contract standoff with Kyler Murray. You probably shouldn't. P- I'm actually going to say this: they probably should not give him a huge deal. Like they shouldn't. Like he he has not proven it yet at, at all. all. Um, but also you did nothing to like help him get better. You didn't add. Any more weapons? Um, you you lost Chase Edmonds. Your backfield got thin. Um, they they just had a really bad off season. Um, yeah, they just had a really bad off season. Um, Los Angeles Rams, literally the only other winner in the NFC, I think. Joe Noboom, good. Andrew Whitworth retires. Congrats to him. What an incredible career. Re-sign Brian Allen to keep the line intact. And they give Matthew Safford another weapon to replace Robert Woods. It's Allen Robinson, folks, who has never had a good quarterback to throw to him in his career, notably, but has also never produced with otherworldly with bad quarterbacks. I will point that out. So I'm not going to freak out and say he's going to be huge or whatever i think cooper cups still have a clear wide receiver one Allen robinson will just be a nice guy to throw into the mix and who knows maybe they'll get oh hopefully they can get odell to come back on on a team-friendly deal um odell is still out there um yeah. the seahawks are in total rebuild mode but hey you get shelby harris he's he's a really good defensive tackle and you get Noah Fant. He's another really good offensive piece. Man, if they could if they if they could swing a trade for Baker Mayfield, that would be huge. That would be huge. Because the way Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson play are actually pretty similar. And you already have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Noah Fant. Like you throw in Baker Mayfield, and in a week NFC, the Seattle Seahawks are maybe a playoff team.
1: Um Ugh, that's a, that's even a hard, maybe even in the NFC, <laughs> bro. I don't know. I, I,
0: I mean, I don't see it. I don't see more than one team out of the AFC North. If we're going to talk about this today, okay. not one team out of the NFC East, one team out of the NFC North, one team out of the NFC South. I I feel like the NFC, like, we we don't know what Trey Lance is going to be yet. Like I I feel like the Seattle Seahawks if they got Baker Mayfield would be a playoff contender.
1: I could I could okay. Now that you think about it, I'm just looking back over the NFC, maybe or looking over the NFC, maybe. Like I don't
0: think we both realize right now just how weak the conference is.
1: Yeah, it's insanely weak. Goodness gracious. Like Like, like I said, it's a barren wasteland.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so that kind of wraps it up for this episode. Let's take a look at this vote, tray. Let's take a look in both conferences, teams that the draft looms huge for. Okay, these are mostly going to be bad teams. By the way, shout out the Dolphins. I kind of like what they did. Mike McDaniels uh, brought over all the running backs from San Francisco, which is basically what Kyle Shanahan did when he went from Atlanta to San Francisco. So that might work. And Teddy Bridgewater is not a bad plan B if Tua doesn't work out. Um, the jets, everybody loved the jets free agency. They get CJ Uzama. They improve the offensive line, but still they have to have a great draft. They have a lot of picks. They probably need to pick a wide receiver and still a tackle.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's weird with the Jets because I just – I don't know. (laughs) I mean, of course, the obvious with them is that, okay, they they need to improve, of course. But do you really see it in them to improve? Even if they draft well?
0: Yeah, uh, I was watching some Jets earlier today, actually, funny enough, because I wanted to see how Elijah Moore looked, and I was quite startled to find out that Elijah Moore's best weeks of the season came with Joe Fleck throwing to him. So That's concerning. They, they still don't know if Zach Wilson is a real quarterback or not, and neither do we. So that's tough. Uh, but I think we both agree, huge draft team. Another huge draft team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are they going to do? They bring in Mitch Trubisky. Okay, he, he can maybe be a good gap year starter, but they've also made just some solid moves. They Im- improved their offensive line with Mason Cole and James Daniel, and they brought in Miles Jack, a guy that you think Mike Tomlin can probably rehabilitate, but the draft also looms huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: It does. It really does. Because this is Kevin Colbert's last draft, and if he really wants to set the Steelers up for, I guess you say, a new era in the organization now that Ben Roethlisberger is gone, he's going to have to hit on some of the talent that the Steelers need. Because what do the Steelers really need at this point? I mean, maybe offensive line, I think you could say. Maybe corner, maybe linebacker, who, who knows? Uh, but they have some holes and they really need to hit on these holes, uh, you know, just so they can at least compete next season. Because without stacked the AFC East, the AFC as a conference is, let alone how good the AFC North is going to be, Steelers are going to need some things to help them compete. You know, they can't compete and they're going to get slaughtered. So um, should be an interesting draft for the Steelers, especially with it being Colbert's last one.
0: Houston Texans, like we said, a lot of signings. None of them good signings. Uh, they have a ton of draft picks, though. So draft, huge for the Houston Texans. Uh, draft, huge for the Indianapolis Colts.
1: Yes, big
0: time. Um, draft, huge for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Draft, huge for that whole division, basically.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: This is a huge draft for the Dallas Cowboys. They need to fill holes on defense and honestly wouldn't hurt if another offensive weapon just fell to them like it normally does. Um, Huge draft for the New York Giants, a ton of draft capital, a ton of holes on the roster. Huge draft for the Philadelphia Eagles, a ton of draft capital could get very good very quickly if they hit on some draft picks. Um Chicago Bears and well nope, they traded their draft pick, so not so much for Bears. The Lions, that's another big one. Uh any others I'm forgetting, Trey. Oh uh,
1: just trying to think off the top of my head. Um uh, I'll just maybe think- this uh, I'll help-
0: Okay. Yeah. Did you mentioned the Seahawks. Seahawks. Definitely a team that draft matters there as well. All right. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. We'll, we'll spare you. We'll let you out of here. Now we won't do a mock draft now, but next week after we get some round two free agent signings, we'll do a little top 15 mock draft. That'll be after we recap this, that after we recap the signings. is that me or you? I think that's me, whose uh, whose who's audio is playing in the background now. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> um, but let's just touch base on the top five remaining free agents, and let's get out of here. Teron Armstead, yep. Tyron Matthew, mm-hmm. Odell Beckham, yep. Stefan Gilmore, yep. Wayne Brown, Jameis Winston, and I'll give you. Two more that aren't quarterbacks. Um, Bobby Wagner. Yes. Jadavian Clowney. Hmm. Interesting. And Darius Smith, who backed out of his deal with the Ravens. That's yes. another one. That's and one. oh, here's another one. Calais Campbell. Okay, we'll stop at Calais Campbell. Um, but there's some okay. Jarvis Landry is a guy that, that could go and helps to do so there are some older guys that could help out some teams yeah so we'll see what happens some of those guys will get signed over this next week some of those guys it'll take till training camp that's it Trey. next week look forward to our draft our first look mock draft extravaganza where we will take a look at Let's just do uh, all the non-playoff teams. We'll stop at teams that made the playoffs. Sounds good. And expect us to have a guest fair as well. We'll we'll bring someone in. Anyhow. All right. Thank you for bearing with us on a two-hour episode. We really appreciate you, the listener. Trey, congratulations on your excellent sports day. I hope the vibes remain positive for you for the rest of the week.
1: I pray so. (laughs) You too, bro.
0: Indeed. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this. We will see you next Sunday. Peace out.